Engel. The Undecideds, or how certain drug lords influenced the new pop culture. We're in the 1980s. Hip-hop is starting to emerge. Cocaine is already everywhere. And soon, crack will be making a dramatic entrance in the ghetto. This unprecedented consumption will allow some dealers to become the kings of the streets and represents the new role models for their community. The Undecideds is going to tell you the journey that eight of these men went through, the harsh and brutal truth. These are the tales of millionaire drug dealers who have a direct impact on the phenomenal success of hip-hop. Think of Dr. Dre, Tupac, Jay-Z, Lil Wayne, and so many others. Would they have become such pop culture icons if certain paths were never crossed? Without passing judgment, without glorifying it, the Undecideds will guide you through the troubled backstage of hip-hop to its rise onto the worldly stage. So if you don't know, now you'll know. Episode 4, Terrence Gangster Williams. New Orleans, 1991. The city has the highest homicide rate in the world. In the streets, Terrence is a true hothead. In between dealing heroin and murder, he helps his half-brothers start a record label in the back of their kitchen. 25 years later, this label would sign big stars like Lil Wayne, Drake, and Nicki Minaj. Here is a story of Terrence Williams, a.k.a. Gangsta. Terrence Williams was born on November 4, 1976, in New Orleans, Louisiana, a place that hadn't even caught up with Jim Crow. Slavery was still legal here only 15 years earlier. In 1980, the oil industry was in decline. The port of New Orleans saw its production drop. The crisis would hit its blue-collar workforce full-on. The moral and economic consequences would shake the foundation's whole city. Behind the mask of Mardi Gras and its wildlife, New Orleans' unemployment hit its hardships well. Without those jobs from the port, it was only a matter of time before crime, drugs, and all kind of violence made its way to another black neighborhood. Today, New Orleans is one of the poorest cities in the U.S. 27% of the population lives below the poverty line, a rate that skyrockets to 35% within its African-American community. New Orleans isn't like other big American cities. It has cliques of thugs spread across its 17 wards, but there aren't organized gangs. The third ward, located between Mississippi River and Canal Street, is one of the poorest. Magnolia, a Ward 3 neighborhood, is where Terrence Williams calls home. On his personal blog that you can still find online, Terrence tells the story of how his drive to be like his idols landed him at the police station when he was only eight years old. You're under arrest. At 12 years old, Terrence taught himself how to drive with stolen cars. His idea of fun was to drive past his school when his friends were getting out. But Terrence still has a dream. Like many other young black men in the hood, he sees salvation in sports and wants to become a professional football player. Unfortunately, his desire for easy money would steer him away from his passion. Now his dream was the Holy Trinity, money, cars, and girls. With three other friends from the same hood, Dooney, Sterling, and Mosquito, he started The Hot Boys, 
a pack of armed robbers and heroin dealers. Heroin is the most popular drug in New Orleans. Child of Louisiana, the champion pianist Jack Dupree declared his love for it in 1941 on Junker Blues. Terrence's brother, Brian Williams, a.k.a. Birdman, mentioned his addiction to heroin on his song, I Need a Bag of Dope. Cheaper than cocaine, with a longer high than crack, this byproduct of morphine is still New Orleans' go-to drug. If there is a plus side, heroin would save New Orleans from the crack epidemic that hits other cities at that time. Terrence Williams and his posse get a move on the streets, where he earns his nickname Gangster. His path is set. His NFL hopes were over in 1991 when he suffered a foot injury while trying to escape a juvenile detention center. 1991 was the year his brothers Brian and Ronald started their little bounce music record label in their kitchen. Brian sketched a logo onto a piece of paper that would make his mark in history. Cash Money Records. Bounce music is still featured in New Orleans today. The style, born in the early 80s, mixes electronic music with the spirit of Mardi Gras, with lyrics showing his pride for his ward. It's still used by artists like Ninja Crew, MCT Tucker, and DJ Jimmy. But launching a record label requires a lot of money. So who better than their brother Terrence to finance it? Legend has it that Terrence offered them a hundred grand. The brothers also got help from their father, Johnny, who tends a local bar called Gladys, named after their mother, who died at a young age. The first artists signed to Cash Money Records were Kilo G, Pimp Daddy, the group UNLV, known for Uptown Nigga Living Violent, and a young DJ known as Manny Fresh. Manny Fresh quickly became the label's most recognized producer. His first albums were homemade, Literally. Recorded in the Williams Brothers' kitchen, Manny Fresh needed to reinstall his equipment every time they recorded new material. Once pressed, the first albums were sold on the streets, either out the back of the brothers' trunk or at local record stores that would take them. Very quickly, their reputation and street cred helped them sell between 75 and 100,000 copies of each album. At just $10 a piece, Cash Money Records made a name for themselves. With newfound wealth, Cash Money members started showing off, in contrast with the stark reality of a city filled with chaos. In 1994, New Orleans beat records of violent behavior. 425 homicides that year in a city with a population less than 500,000 people. It became one of the 10 most dangerous cities in the world, right behind Caracas and Baghdad. The label earned nicknames like Click Click or Chopper City, Chopper meaning AK-47 in local slang. Terrence says the city's violence was mathematic. A city this small couldn't count as many ambitious thugs as it did. Therefore, some had to disappear. In fact, Magnolia had the highest homicide rate in Ward 3. It wasn't rare to take out a life insurance policy as early as 12 years old. Terrence almost ended up a statistic twice. The first time during a street fight where he was stabbed in his chest, collapsing his lung. The second during a shooting where a bullet put a hole in his bladder. 
He later explained on his blog that he had to walk around with a colostomy bag for almost two years afterwards. As for Cash Money Records, 1994 was a great year. The team was still growing and signed two more neighborhood kids. The first one, Little Doogie, 13, whose father was murdered. He quickly decided to change his artist's name to BG for Baby Gangster in honor of his mentor, Terrence. Baby D, the second, a.k.a. Little Wayne, was only 11 when Cash Money signed him. Little Wayne was the little genius that the whole city knew about. At nine years old, he was already freestyling with the teens in his neighborhood. Between Baby Gangster and Little Wayne, the new recruits of Cash Money Records set the tone for the label's future. They would rap about the streets, but the streets they wanted to see. Cash Money Records had always been inspired by those who live life without limits, worshiping money, cars, girls, and of course, diamonds. Opulence is the heart and soul of Cash Money Records. You can see it on their album covers, Rolls Royces, mansions, stacks of money, and diamond necklaces. To them, living the good life was all about the extreme. Legend has it, BG invented the term bling bling to tell the label's graphic designers how to make the diamond shine on the cover of his album. BG would popularize the phrase with his song Bling Bling on his album, Chopper City in the Ghetto. While Cash Money Records glorifies the successful street, Terrence reminds us of his dark reality. As time went by, he became one of the most ruthless cleaners in the city. From gangster, his nickname changed to Heartstopper. Terrence got rid of those who got in his way. He was brilliant and terrifying. Terrence would later on in his blog say that he sometimes would shave his mustache and eyebrows so he could cross-dress and get close to his victims more easily. Interviewed by Feds Magazine, Terrence never denied the accusations against him. On the streets, people say that I've killed about 40 people. In the meantime, Cash Money Records had new recruits. Juvenile and Turk joined BG and Lil Wayne. Together, they will become the Hot Boys, inspired by Terrence's group. Terrence had the idea to bring back Hot Boys so they can quickly earn street cred off his old name. And he was like, man, come up with a, you know, help me come up with a name for my group. So I was like, you know, we brainstorming, bro. I was like, man, name the Hot Boys. He was like, what's the concept? I was like, you know, they, they busting heads, they dressing nice, they wearing jewelry, they coming through in the fly cars. You know, they had the police looking for him, the girls looking for him, dudes looking to kill him. So he took that and ran with it, and I never thought in a million years it would have blew up as big as it did. Their first album, Get It How You Live, sold 300,000 copies still as an independent label. Terrence was never far away. Armed with two guns and a bulletproof vest, he was the group's muscle while on tour and took advantage of these stops to make heroin deals the same heroin that got BG and Turk so high they couldn't perform on stage or shoot music videos. BG had been addicted to heroin since he was 16 years old. A lot of people thought that Baby and Slim was, you know, encouraging us to do drugs, but they used to be mad at us. We'd come to studio loaded and shit. The hits kept coming for Cash Money Records. Little by little, the new artists started replacing the old ones. Not so much because of people's taste, but because the old crew kept dying. 
18-year-old pimp daddy was killed on April 18, 1994, in a domestic spat. Kilo G was shot and killed in front of his home on January 15, 1997, at only 20 years old. Albert Thomas, a.k.a. Yellow Boy, part of UNLV, was found dead in his car, shot in the head at only 23 years old. Terrence gets lucky again. In 96, he cheats death during a shootout after a bullet grazed his chest. The label had never done so well. Each album was selling between 100 and 300,000 copies. Now, the major label started coming around. Jocelyn Cooper, the first African-American woman to lead a major label, wanted to stand out and support entrepreneurs in the community. She sent Dino DeValier, artistic director, to scout Louisiana's music stores and see where the label's success came from. Impressed by what he found, Dino called Cash Money Records. It wasn't hard to find them. The label's number was on the back of every album. Surprised that a guy from New York City would travel to the deep end of Louisiana looking for them, Brian decided to meet Dino. That evening, an SUV and three men waited for Dino in front of his hotel. Okay, he's clean. In the car, they checked to make sure that Dino wasn't armed. A little tense, the artistic director sent a message to his girlfriend to tell her what was going on, just in case. On the way there, they stopped for gas and made Dino get out of one car and into another parked up front. 30 minutes later, Dino arrived in front of a house. Brian Williams sat in front of Dino, put a gun on the table, looked him straight in the eyes and asked, so you want to do business with us? Dino answered only, indeed, and they started negotiating the terms of their agreement. The Williams brothers decided to contact a manager who could negotiate the deal. In came Wendy Day, a 30-year-old white woman who had absolutely nothing to do with rap, but had built a solid reputation of breaking up bad deals coming her way. With Cash Money Records, she negotiated a never-before-seen contract for a small label. She asked for huge cash advances to help develop the albums and negotiated terms and conditions that helped cash money. Universal's Mel LeWinter laughed at her at first. That was before realizing that new vice president Jocelyn Cooper had a lot of interest in the label. In March of 1998, the Williams brothers flew to New York and signed a deal with Universal for a whopping $30 million. The deal included a $2 million cash advance per year and a $1.5 million budget per album. The icing on the cake was that Cash Money kept the rights to its masters, its publishing, and pocketed 80% of the royalties on record sales. No independent label had ever pulled this off before. The first album after Universal's deal was Juvenile's 400 Degrees in November 1998. It sold 4 million copies. Terrence would see the label's success as a free man for less than a year. On June 24, 1999, he was sentenced to life in prison, plus 240 months, for criminal conspiracy and ordering a hit. A sentence that was set in stone when his appeal was denied on March 6, 2002. 
years later, Cash Money Records was all anyone could talk about. Between 1998 and 2001, the label would have 18 singles in Billboard Top 5 and at least 11 platinum albums. But little by little, the label lost its appeal in New Orleans, and the competition between Cash Money and No Limit Records didn't help. Master P, another great New Orleans rap artist, founded No Limit. In a Feds Magazine interview, Master P said his cousin Randall Watts was most likely killed by Terrence Williams, which would explain the distance between the two multi-platinum labels despite their geographical origin that should have brought them together. Then, some of Cash Money's big stars like BG dropped the label for money issues. To top it off, Cash Money moved to Miami, likely because the label's security team couldn't keep the performers safe in New Orleans. Terrence's incarceration was the biggest blow for the label. With the departure of Cash Money, New Orleans lost one of his most prized possessions. From inside his prison cell, Terrence woke up to reality. He shared his prison courtyard with the famous Demetrius Big Meech Flannori. They decided to change their ways and educate young people on their lifestyle choices. He started writing about his mistakes and his advice on a blog, still online to this day. He also filed a complaint against the federal prison office, asking for better conditions, particularly denouncing the filth and immorality in jail. Terrence explained the rat race for material things led to his downfall. This crazy way of life made him lose friends like Dooney, Sterling, and Mosquito, the original hot boys, all of whom died of violent deaths before their 25th birthday. Ironically, that quest for money had always been the motto of Cash Money Records. Cash Money Records is still very successful, signing stars like Drake and Nicki Minaj. To this day, the label has sold over a billion titles across the world. In an open letter, Russell Simmons, founder of Legendary Def Jam, did not hesitate to call Cash Money Records the greatest hip-hop success in history. That success would have never happened without the $100,000 Terrence gave his brothers. Terrence will never get out of prison, but his brothers always make sure he knows how the label's doing and take care of him. From his cell, Terrence saw the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina and warned New Orleans youth not to make the same mistakes he made in the chaos. He didn't want another economic and social crisis to sweep up the city like the one he experienced during his childhood. That fight is a difficult one. In 2017 alone, New Orleans recorded over 150 violent murders. Find the playlist related to the episodes on all the streaming platforms and on theundersiders.com. The Undersiders is produced by Angle and created by Francois Cousset. Sound production by V in Paris, France. Original scores by Max Zeeple. English version narrated by Ellis Park and recorded at Lotus Productions in New York City. Find more episodes of The Undersiders anywhere you find podcasts and on theundersiders.com.